Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. Unless we're parked in San Diego Bay, we are at war every time we record this podcast. It's Mike and Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is an extreme sports enthusiast turned secret agent left for dead 15 years ago. <laughs> Mike DiCuccio. How are you doing today, Mike? Uh, I'm doing great, living wonderfully through my uh, absolutely obvious fake death, uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> doing good how are you mike i'm good i'm good the usual uh, over here uh, i'm preparing for a trip next week uh heading out to los angeles for a concert uh oh, yeah. which is crazy that that's finally happening uh you know it's that was supposed to happen last year and obviously uh it did not <laughs> but, is this uh, the uh hella mega tour or the other this one? this is the hella mega tour which is a uh, green day weezer fallout boy and the interrupters opening for them nice uh and i kind of got a preview of it because uh it seemed like everybody i knew was at the one in new york a couple of weeks ago uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> like a lot of people that i know just happened to be there uh, including my sister who said it was a great show although that one uh fallout boy had to cancel because uh one of their band members got covid uh Ooh. So, yeah, still still a specter that hangs over the (laughs) hangs over the whole thing. But you got to be vaccinated in order to go to the show and all that stuff. So it feels relatively safe. Plus, it's a pretty open air stadium uh, that it's going to be in. So should be fine. And uh, even if we don't do anything else in Los Angeles, the Airbnb we're at has a hot tub. Uh, Nice. That's going to be dope. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so kind of preparing for that next week. And uh, yeah, just uh, I watched a lot of movies this past weekend, Mike. I will tell you that in the span of like three days, I maybe watched like 10 movies, um, which it's been a while since I've had like that much of a movie crunch in in that short amount of time. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Got to watch a lot of stuff, including three Zach Penn movies. <laughs> 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 Honestly, uh, you've peaked. Life can never yes. get better than that. Uh, completely by accident. Uh, our Goldblum movie this week was Incident at Loch Ness, uh, which Zach Penn directed. Uh, one of the movies we're talking about this week that you made me watch is Behind Enemy Lines, uh, which is co-written by Zach Penn. And uh, I went to go see Free Guy in theaters this weekend, which uh, is written by Zach Penn. Free Guy's OK. It's fine. Um <laughs> You know, Free, Free Guy is a weird case. I mean, I don't know if you've been following that at all, but uh, Free Guy is like a movie where, you know, it's kind of been be- being billed as like, oh, it's the like, you know, original hit of the summer kind of thing. And it is yeah. it's like my theater was packed. There's a lot of people going to see that movie. I was like surprised at how big of a hit this movie seems to be. That's um, crazy. Which is pretty wild. But Ryan Reynolds, man, he's Deadpool. He's a star. But uh, all right. We're not here to talk about Free Guy today, Mike. Are you sure? Because unless there- you want unless you want to. <laughs> I haven't seen Free Guy, but I did notice uh, a couple weeks ago uh, I drove by one of those like kind of smaller theaters that you're like, why? How are these things still around? You have four screens kind of thing. And Free Guy, I think, was supposed to come out last summer, right? It must have been. Yeah, it was definitely one of the ones that was delayed because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the poster for Free Guy is still in the like poster case on the on the front of the theater. (laughs) Yeah. But it's been there for a year and a half, so it's like all sun faded and scrunched up at the bottom of the thing. Uh, and I was like, Ugh, look at that fucking movie. Like, gross. I remember that. I guess I can't believe that came and went. Uh, and then now it's a, a huge movie. So like, I, I assumed it came out on VOD last summer and was already forgotten about. Yeah. Uh, 
And then now it's a big thing. It, it's like the surprise hit of the summer in a summer that was, I mean, and granted, I think in this current era, I think it's impossible to know what's going to hit because of COVID and the pandemic and all that. But, you know, I think it helped that Free Guy was only in theaters and wasn't available on a streaming service. So like Black Widow, you could watch at home. Suicide Squad, you could watch at home. That kind of thing, right? I saw there was one tweet that was going around that was like, so does uh, the Suicide Squad's box office numbers mean that theaters are dead or does Free Guy's box office numbers mean theaters are thriving which is it? <laughs> like which take are we going with we can uh, only go with one here yeah yeah <laughs> um but anyway again we're not here to talk about free guy today <laughs> we're here to talk about uh, two movies last week we did our big uh f9 episode we were finally able to talk about it because you watched it and we brought the family together uh to discuss the movie kyle cullen vin craig and uh producer colin and at the end of the episode uh we each did our mike makes mike watch picks i picked three movies you picked three movies and we had those guys vote on which ones we would have to watch uh, for this episode. So what ended up happening is that uh, I ended up getting Mike to watch Triple X3, The Return of Xander Cage, which I feel like the deck was pretty heavily in the favor of that one as soon as I put it in there in the mix in that episode specifically when we were talking F9. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then you made me watch Behind Enemy Lines, the uh, 2001 action war movie uh, starring Owen Wilson and Gene Hackman. And so we will be talking about both those movies in just a second. First, gotta say, all the theme songs you're going to hear this episode were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did in the show, you can email us over at Mike and Mike go to the movies at gmail.com or uh, tweet at us at Mike and Mike pod. All right, Mike, choose which movie you want to talk about first. Uh, Behind Enemy Lines or Triple X3, The Return of Xander Cage. You actually watched both of them. I did. Uh, and I only watched Behind Enemy Lines, although I did rewatch a couple of clips of Xander Cage on YouTube just to like kind of remind myself. Because I saw it in theaters and then I saw I have it on Blu-ray and I watched it like one time since then. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> I think I bought it for like five dollars used at like a, like a Blu-ray store, which is the way to watch Triple X3, The Return of Xander Cage. But uh, yeah, so which one would you like to discuss first, Mike? Let's do we can do Triple X first, I think. Triple X is the one you want to go for. All right, yeah. let's get into a Mike makes Mike watch for Triple X3, The Return of Xander Cage. I only choose that controls every military satellite in the world has fallen into the hands of four very dangerous guys. We need someone who can move like them. Fight like them. It's time to be a patriot. There are no more patriots, just rebels and tyrants. So which are you? I'm Triple X. Introduce you to your ground team. All right, it comes Red Bull's poster child. I'm not gonna have clowns watch my back. Who would you trust? The good, the extreme, and the completely insane. Hold on! What you want, I got what you need. Now that's a team I can work with. Here we go.
refreshing. You actually know what you're doing down there. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> wow. These ghosts of yours are the real kind of trouble. You have no idea what you're up against. Whatever it is you're looking for, you're gonna come up short. Does this mean you're not making me breakfast in the morning? We're willing to die to keep the world safe. How about you? I live for this. I guess we're on the same team now. You ready to have some fun? I go low. I'll go high. Let me simplify for you. Kick some ass. Get the girl. And try to look dope while you're doing it. All right, that was from the trailer for Triple X3, The Return of Xander Cage, a movie written by F. Scott Frazier and directed by DJ Caruso, the director of films like Eagle Eye, Disturbia, I believe, was also a, wow, a DJ Caruso real, joint. Real Shia LaBeouf guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, they're, they're the Scorsese and De Niro of our age, DJ uh, Caruso and Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Uh, and it stars Vin Diesel, Donnie Yen, Deepkia Padukone. Chris Wu, Ruby Rose, Tony Ja, Nina Dobrev, Tony Collette, Samuel L. Jackson, and more. So, Mike, not only did you watch Triple X Three: The Return of Xander Cage, you also rewatched the first two Triple X movies. Correct. Uh, so, you you had not seen the third one, uh, but you had seen the first two many years ago. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I had seen Triple X, the first one, probably in theaters. Honestly, uh, I think, and it had been forever since I'd seen it. And I remember specifically, I think I might have been in Las Vegas or something like I was on vacation because I think that came out in 05, the second one, if I remember correctly. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I went on uh, a big vacation with my parents that summer uh, that we ended in Las Vegas. It's like a whole cross country thing, which, you know, when you're 14 is the, a nightmare. Not being on vacation with your parents, being in Las Vegas at 14 is a nightmare. Oh, yes. You yeah. can't do anything. There's nothing to do. Yes. Yeah. We had 21. We had that experience uh, when I was in college. Uh, So I was I had just turned 21 and I had a blast. Uh, But my sister and brother were underage and they had no fun at all. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, Um, we did. We did go see Blue Man Group, which was a fun family thing. And then after that, it was like, all right, you guys go chill in the hotel room. I guess I'll meet my dad go gambling like that's. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. So so my parents were like, you stay in the hotel room. You know, you can order. room service and you can rent a movie like I was like, oh, you know, you, well, we're going to go gamble. So yeah, I rented triple X state of the union. I, and that's how I remember watching it. And I don't remember anything else uh, or didn't remember anything else other than that that happened. So I ch- checked it out again and I was like, that's not fair. I got to watch it again. And yeah, I mean, one and two are certainly movies. I think one, you know, it's, one is obviously better. It's more fun. I think that was 2001 or something like that. That was 02. That 02. was 2002. It was the year after the Fast and the Furious. Got it. Uh, okay. it was, and they're both directed by Rob Cohen. He, he and Vin Diesel were the DJ Caruso and Shia LaBeouf of their day. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're, but they're just big action, silly, blow shit up movies uh which you know we're generally fans of here on mike and mike go to the movies i feel like the first one more is the kind of overt throwback to like you know schwarzenegger stallone early 90s movies sure uh, that kind of shit it's a point break ripoff right like it's an extreme sports guy 
instead of having to be a criminal, he's a super spy instead. So that's fun. Uh, and there's plenty of that shit. The second one just gets rid of all that. Uh, yeah, you know, which that's is actually that's interesting that you mentioned that it's a point break knockoff because so is the Fast and the Furious. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, exactly. And they, they both knocked off different elements of <laughs> point break. <laughs> that's right. They had a formula and they were going to stick to it uh, <laughs> no matter what. And then the second one just gets rid of that. And he's like a Navy SEAL, I think, uh, Ice Cube's character or a former Navy SEAL. And he's in prison and he gets broken out and the wackiest shit happens. So the second one's whatever. But yeah, Return it's, of it's, Xander Cage. Yes. Well, I think it's important to note Vin Diesel's not in the second one. Correct. Uh, much like Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> yes. The, there's no, there's a throwaway line, though, in State, State of the, of the Union. Union, where they're like, man, shame about Xander Cage, huh? And somebody's like, what happened? He's like, you didn't hear? He died in Bora Bora. <laughs> anyway, we got the, we got another yeah. 70 minutes of this movie left. <laughs> the, the weirdest, like, offhand, like, off-screen character yeah. death. <laughs> it's like almost ADR. It's almost like the... <laughs> 24 hours is like three weeks. Like yes. it's almost that level of uh, throwaway dialogue. So yeah, he's not in the second one. The first one opens with him. <laughs> oh, actually, no. Or does it open with the Tony Collette sequence? I think it opens with uh, the, the third one. Yes. You sorry. Mean? Return of Xander Cage. Yeah, the third one, I think. I mean, it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but the third one, I think, opens with Samuel L. Jackson, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's trying to recruit uh, a pro- professional soccer player to be the new triple X, which is funny because so the first one, right? I want to, I want to discuss the apparent logistics of the naming convention of the triple X program <laughs> because please do. <laughs> Cause I don't think there is one <laughs> because <laughs> it's right. He's uh Xander cage. He's got triple X tattooed on the back of his neck. Cause he's yep. just extreme. He's an extreme sports athlete guy who has the Xander cage show where he steals that guy's car congressman's car i think in the beginning of the first one drives it off a bridge it's wild so samuel jackson recruits him for the triple x program which is either named triple x because they knew he had the triple x tattoo or they changed it after the fact because the logo in the third movie for the triple x program when they're like at the compound is the same triple x stylized tattoo that he had so like it doesn't I don't I'm really just concerned. I want that movie. I want like the <laughs> like workplace drama <laughs> movie about I mean, how they figure out what to name shit at this program in the NSA. I'm thinking it's the second. I think they changed it after the fact, after they saw his triple X tattoo. And my theory behind that is because in triple X three, the return of Xander Cage, every single character is falling over themselves over how fucking cool Vin Diesel. Is. Oh, my God. They just all want to fuck. <laughs> all it's, the time. It's, insanity and uh it's part of the reason i love this movie so much because it's it's the ultimate vin diesel vanity project yeah. you know it's it's everything he wanted to do in the fast and furious movies but he was like kind of held back from doing a little bit right uh and he, he kind of takes like the lessons of the fast and furious movies with this one he kind of creates like their own family uh mm-hmm. together in this movie and it's uh, the difference here is that it's all characters you've never seen before but he creates this like you know unit a big team with like some cool people in it and they all have their own different function and and they just go to some insane places with it but like literally every character is like man vin diesel's so fucking cool like the scene where nina dobrev first shows up oh my is God. ridiculous hilarious but awful at the yeah. same time <laughs> where she walks in and is like oh man what do you bench 210 240 250 250 is my max my safe word is kumquat like <laughs> yeah no she's asking what do you weigh She's like, be honest, because 250 is the max weight on my swing. My safe word is kumquat. You're like, what? Is, what is happening? And like Tony Collette's in the background rolling her eyes. And it's like, Tony Collette, why are you here? Yeah. OK, so let's talk about the opening credits to Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Please. 
Why are they so banging, first off? Two, <laughs> why is this cast so absolutely stacked? It is just a name. So it's Vin Diesel. And I'm like, OK, obviously. Sure. And then uh, I think it's I forget. I don't remember the exact order, but basically it's like Nina Dobrev. Then we get uh, Donnie Yen and yep. then we get Tony Jaa. And then we get uh, Rory McCann, I think, is the hound from right. uh, Game of Thrones. And then it's like, end Tony Collette. And I'm like, what? And then, you know, with Samuel Jackson, I'm like, what? Like, what is happening? It's amazing. It just don't they don't stop. It's yeah. crazy how stacked that cast is. It's an absolutely insane cast. And I would imagine if this movie was made a year later, they'd never get Tony Collette um, because this is the year before Hereditary comes out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, Tony Collette, like never really went away, but she's kind of had like a resurgence over the past few years with Hereditary and Knives Out. And I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, but I remember seeing Triple X in theaters and being like, there's a Tony Collette, is it? Like this is yeah. like it took me like a minute to like register that that was Tony Collette. It's so weird that she's in this movie. I think she's one of those actors that's just like down to clown. And I can't remember what I had another example of what that would have been. Knives Out. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> like she's in Knives Out. Sure. But Knives Out, at least like that's like a, you know, prestigious filmmaker, Ryan Johnson, yeah. you know, big like, ensemble cast, you know, all that kind of stuff. Tri- this is triple X three. <laughs> that's a good point. You know, prestigious filmmaker, big ensemble cast. but yeah so i mean honestly though overall i feel like i feel like uh triple x3 is the best out of the three of them i don't know if it's great i think your experience you're just you're you talking about it last week with kyle in a theater empty i think you said or like with a couple other people yeah uh, just like losing your mind at what the shit is happening on screen because there is some stuff that is absolutely insane and that is a lot of fun like there's a dirt bike race on the ocean (laughs) <laughs> and I was going to text you, am I really watching this? But I wasn't sure if you'd even remember that that happened. Um, but there's this whole scene where they race dirt bikes down the barrel of a wave, like a surfboard, yep. like surfboards. Yes, this this whole movie, its thesis is that it's doing extreme sports in places where those sports aren't possible. Uh, so it's like dirt bikes in the ocean, skiing in the jungle, yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Which is the first thing you see Vin Diesel do. Yeah. In the movie. And I remember seeing that in the trailer for this movie. And that's what made me want to see this, because at this point, when the trailer for Triple X three came out, this came out like January 2017. It Just was buried. Absolutely a pr- buried. A prime January release. It actually did pretty well at the box office. Like, I think it had like I'm looking at it now at an eighty five million dollar budget. Uh, it's box office is three hundred and forty six million. Like worldwide. Holy shit. It did well. And I think the reason is because like kind of the runoff of the Fast and Furious movies like this is like before Fate of the Furious came out but post Furious 7. So we're like peak Fast and Furious. Like Furious 7, weirdly, one of the highest grossing movies of all time worldwide. (laughs) Like it is. Honestly, it tracks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Fast and Furious is so huge overseas. Uh, And so Vin Diesel being the star of this and resuscitating this old franchise, like these kind of, like those first two Triple X movies were like kind of forgotten by the time they made Triple X 3. And so they were kind of able to just reinvent from scratch like what a Triple X movie can be and took the cues from Fast and Furious and turned it into this whole insane thing. That's definitely the thing that maybe like key into the Triple X name. In the first one, like I said, they're recruiting him to be Triple X like they want that. But then by the time we get to the third one, everybody is a Triple X. Like they have been (laughs) one of those guys. Like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I forgot the name of the program in uh, the Bourne movies, but it's like that kind of thing uh, where right. it's like they've all been one of those agents before um, Treadstone, I think. Anyway, uh, they're like one of those guys right. um, where like we can just decide like, yeah, this is what it's. No, it's always been this. It's been 20 years. You don't remember <laughs> what it, it was before that whole it's just everything. The plot of this movie is about somebody has invented or created this machine that lets them just 
drop satellites out of the space out of orbit like (laughs) not control them i mean i guess they do control them but just make them drop out of the sky which is wild right and that's the opening scene where samuel jackson's like talking directly to the camera yeah uh and i think he even like i think he quotes the avengers at one point he does oh he name checks the avengers and he quotes uh, i forget but he's like pulp fiction or something like he's like quoting his own career right almost yeah basically i forget what it is but yeah he he does name check the avengers he says like what do you think you were getting recruited for the avengers Uh, yeah to the guy he's talking to (laughs) right and he's like and he's at this point he's like talking directly to the camera like you don't see the guy he's talking to yet i think he's like talking directly to you and it's like this one minute shot of sam jackson like giving this whole monologue and then you see that he has the soccer guy and i think some guy like kind of comes into the uh the the room that they're in and like tries to rob the place and the soccer guy like hits him with kicks a soccer ball towards him and knocks the gun out of his hand and he's like you're in the triple x program and then a satellite crashes down on them and they explode yeah, it's actually like a pretty cool scene because it's like, yeah, him talking directly to the camera. It's a pretty long one shot sequence where he's like ordering it, getting his food, walking over to the table and all this stuff. And he sits down and then it kind of like pivots around him, around Samuel Jackson to reveal that he's talking to this guy. Uh, and then he, th- that dude kicks a soda can uh, <laughs> like off the table right at the guy's forehead and knocks him out. Samuel Jackson does that like you're you're always were a hero. And then he gets blown up. Uh, <laughs> And you're like, what the fuck is happening? And then smash cuts to the opening credits. You're like, yep. what is going on? And then I see Tony Jaa, Donnie Yen. I'm in. Yeah, we got to talk about Donnie Yen in this movie, who is an absolute fucking force to be reckoned with. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, Donnie Yen, one of the like the great martial artist uh, actors of our age. Uh, and this was like right after Rogue One came out. Like, I remember mm-hmm. it was like Rogue One, December 2016, Triple X3, <laughs> January 2017, like back to back months. Uh, it was a good time for Donnie Yen fans in American cinema. And I think especially here in this movie, uh, he he is given license to just go all out and do crazy shit. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, that op- that first sequence when he shows up, right, when he like steals the Pandora's box uh, and he's sliding across the table and all yeah, that kind of stuff. It's yeah, so and cool. He's like spinning, doing gun foo, like flipping and spinning all over the place. Just nailing every single shot while everybody is stormtroopers around, missing every bullet they <laughs> shoot at him. While they're standing still and he's doing backflips and shooting is hilarious and so much fun. And that whole heist sequence, right? Because you see like a couple of the, of the other agents or whatever infiltrate the building before Donnie Yen shows up and the way they all like enter. Like when, oh man, the guy who I'm pretty sure is just a UFC fighter. I don't remember his name. One of the henchmen dudes with Donnie Yen. Right. Uh, but when he shows up, there's a literal like round bell that rings because he comes out of the elevator. But it's like played <laughs> as if the elevator door like is ringing. Hilarious. Like fucking <laughs> it's so funny. And there's all that kind of shit. So yeah, overall, though, I think I think it is a lot of fun. Uh, and there's a lot that we could obviously talk about. Every moment is kind of cool and silly like that. And Ruby Rose is actually really good. I think it's the first time I've ever heard them talk because they, uh, they were in John Wick 2. Yes, and, and uh, is mute. Um, so yeah, I, Ruby, yeah, Ruby Rose is mute in that movie, and so yeah, yeah that's the first time you hear them talk, which is great. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's wild. Overall, yeah, the movie's a lot of fun, and I, I wish that I think in like a crowd setting or like in a theater where we're like, oh my god, like you could have that reaction. It would be a lot of fun with your bro. Um, yeah, but by myself on my couch, like, hey, I did have those moments, but it's like this should have been a tight eighty-five minutes, uh, and it's <laughs> it's not two hours, but it's close. I think. It's like an hour 40, I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but I, I think you're right. And I, again, the reason I wanted to see this, I, I had not seen 
the first two triple X movies when I saw the trailer for triple X three. Okay. Uh, and I watched them before I saw triple X three, like, you know, like the week beforehand, I like, you know, I, I don't think I even rented them. Like I, I just like found torrents of them online yeah. and like, watched them because they weren't worth it. Uh, you know, no. I was just like, I got to knock these out. Cause I knew I wasn't going to like, like them all that much. I was just like, okay, this is going to be like some kind of big reinvention. Like I'm just going to watch them through and then have a good time watching triple X three. Uh, and triple X one that was fun enough. It's, it's yeah. fine. Uh, and triple X two is like dire. It's really bad. Um, yeah. but, but then triple X three was like, just this like glorious nonsense, uh, that I really loved. And again, I saw that with, uh, Kyle who was on the show last week, uh, for F nine. Uh, and it was like us two and a few other people in the theater. It was like maybe four people in the row in front of us. And that's like, I think it, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember just like absolute madness in the theater. Like it's, it's yeah. so weird how I, I like, it was us just like laughing hysterically. And I think the people in front of us were also like, you know, laughing hysterically, or at least that's how it was in my memory. Yeah. Um, but like, just there's so many like big crowd pleasing moments in this movie, especially once you get towards the end and like ice cube shows up. Yeah. I do want does- to talk about that. And it does the thing from Fast Five where, yep. you know, characters show up from movies that I didn't care about. But once they show up, it's like, fuck, yeah. yeah. When he uh, right they're in this like huge warehouse shootout and like everybody's out of bullets and it's really dire. Yeah. Like everybody's like, you know, they're about to lose. Everyone's going to die. Right. Yeah. They're going to try to go out swinging literally with their fists is what they're going to try to do. And then shit just starts blowing up. And Ice Cube is just like up in the rafters in the warehouse with the grenade launcher. <laughs> it's like X takes care of its own. <laughs> You're yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> but before that, he says rock, paper, scissors, grenade launcher. <laughs> and they're all like, huh? And they look up and he's like, X takes care of its own. And we're like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was awesome. That makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> and doesn't it do like a, like an intro for each character too? like their name like, appears like on the Suicide screen? Squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's like this big moment, it's like Darius Stone, triple X operative and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Like, yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, it's and yeah, cool. Uh, so, yeah, Ice Cube shows up and like that whole climax where like it's like the plane that's falling out of the sky yeah. and Vin Diesel has to jump out. It's exploding and all that stuff. I mean, it's wild. Truly bonkers. That shit is really fun when he finally teams up with Donnie Yen, right? Because they've been uh, villains the whole time. And then yes. Tony Collette double crosses everybody and shoots Sandra Cage, but he's got the bulletproof vest on, so he survives. And Donnie Yen realizes what, you know, a pure heart, uh, like every fucking Vin Diesel movie, that, uh, you know, <laughs> the villain realizes that he's actually the good guy kind of thing. Uh, and they team up, and they, like, have a moment where they, like, fist bump each other before they start the fight, and you're like, yeah, yep. like, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so cool, and I mean, yeah, Donnie Yen's great. The whole crew, I think, is so much fun, and, and it plays into the absurdity of this whole thing. Like, one of the, there's one guy in the crew whose whole thing is just that he's a DJ. Yeah, he's, like, like literally special talent, fun to be around. Yeah. <laughs> Is what it says. <laughs> you know, just a useless dude on the crew who is like good at being a DJ and he's on the team, yeah. uh, which is great. And like Ruby Rose, is like a sharpshooter and like uh, the hound from Game of Thrones. His whole thing is that he's a getaway driver who likes to crash into stuff. Yeah. You know, like they're I, all they're all just extreme people, you know? <laughs> yeah, I really like the uh, like re- recurring bit with the hound's character, Rory McCann. Whenever uh, he's like, you know, always flooring it. And he's like a conspiracy theorist also. And he's like, yes. you know, uh, traffic lights are really just uh, created by uh, gas companies to make us consume more uh, gas and spend more money, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he always puts a mouth guard like it's like a mouthpiece in <laughs> before he crashes. <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. So, so good. Uh, we do got to talk about the. there's one more scene that I feel like we need to discuss, which is the scene where uh, Xander goes to get his coat back. Ah, uh, yes. This is the ultimate Vin Diesel vanity project. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's even a bigger coat than it actually was. 
<laughs> from the first movie, you mean? I think so. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. So again, it's been a few years since I've seen it. But, uh, you know, so once Vin Diesel gets recruited back into the thing, which uh, I think the whole explanation for how he came back to life, by the way, is just like, I didn't die. And there's yeah. like, no <laughs> there's no other follow up to that. They're like, oh, I guess he faked his death. All right. Yeah. Um, they're like, you know, Gibbons never believed you were actually dead. And then they move on. Like, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> then why did he say he was in the second movie? Yeah. Um, like he finally gets recruited into triple X. Like Tony Collette's talking to him and he's like, I got to make one stop first. And he uh, goes to get his coat and he like travels all the way across the world to London. Goes to London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes to London and he meets up with uh, this woman named Ainsley. Uh, and they're having like this like flirtatious thing. And there's like a room of like 10 women surrounding him. My memory of it is that Vin Diesel, like in order to get his coat back, he has to sleep with all these women. <laughs> yeah, she he they're, they're him and Ainsley are flirting and they're having this kind of you know sexual tension about to make out. And she says, uh, you know, the, the studies have shown that nine times out of 10 sexual consummation will ruin a working relationship. And he's like, well, I know you're a gambling woman. You know, I like those odds kind of thing or whatever. <laughs> and then she says, oh, I've stacked the odds in my favor and opens the door and nine more women walk in. <laughs> um, <laughs> And they have a ten- an orgy with that uh, yes. to get his coat back. And then he looks around in the morning right after he puts his coat on. He looks around and it's like the hotel room from The Hangover. There's just like <laughs> shit everywhere. It's completely destroyed. There's people on couches and tables and beds and everything. And he just goes, the things I do for my country. And he puts his coat on and you're like, what the fuck is happening? It is Banana, like in a movie that is filled with as, as many insane action set pieces as Triple X Three, this is the least believable scene in the entire. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most ludicrous. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's absolute insanity. But hey, he got his coat back, and he got the information he needed from it. Yeah. So like, worth it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's bananas. Any other scenes about from Triple X Three that you wanted to uh, dive into real quick, Mike? We're trying to keep this episode under an hour, yeah. uh, and we're all, and we're already at the half hour mark, just about. So, uh, any other stuff you want to talk about in Triple X Three? Yeah, there's one scene that you want to highlight where they're uh, you know track down negative Triple X team that has you know Donnie Yen's crew, and they go to like this kind of underground club, right? And they're like having this criminal dance party thing. And he sits down at a table with with Donnie Yen and uh, I forget one of the other triple X team people that's bad that like wants to destroy the Pandora's box. Right. And they start like passing a grenade back and forth. Like they're playing like hot yes. potato with a grenade. Yeah. He like pulls the pin. He's like, are you willing to die for it? He throws the gr- they start passing the grenades back and forth. It's two grenades. And then Donnie Yen pulls a gun. And it's like, what is all like? It's absolute ludicrous shenanigans throughout the whole thing while they're having this kind of like philosophical discussion about the power of the Pandora's box and who should wield it. <laughs> what is this movie? I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, So insane. Supposedly, they're still making a triple X four. And I very much hope they do. Uh, according to Wikipedia, I mean, Diesel said they, you know, wanted to make a fourth movie. Uh, DJ Caruso said he will be back. All the major cast will be back and uh, all that stuff. And uh, last it seems like the last update for this movie was back in November 2018. So it's been a little while since there's been any word about Triple X four. But man, I really hope it happens. You know, <laughs> I kind of do, too. Yeah. I mean, it kind of ends with that. Like, so they get like burned or whatever, you know, Rogue Nation style <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> right. It kind of ends with all of them like you know the x takes care of its own situation we're like let him come for us kind of thing so i could see where they would go with the fourth one um and i'd be down yeah i'm down for whatever insanity vin diesel wants to partake in yeah uh he's such a weird 
leading presence in a movie. You know, it's like the weird thing about Vin Diesel, too, is that he used to be like a real actor, you know, like yeah. he was in Saving Private Ryan and the, yeah. those guys, like he, he was in a few like real movies and then Fast and the Furious happened and he became a movie star. Right. And then he had Triple X uh, and he was doing Pitch Black at the same time and all that kind of stuff. He had a few like big hits uh, and then he kind of got saddled to the Fast and Furious movies through like a whole. We've talked about this in the past, like how mm-hmm. he kind of got back into the Fast and Furious folds and all that stuff and kept like was able to make another Riddick movie. And now he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies where he plays Groot, where his entire job is just to say three words over and over again mm-hmm. uh it's it's the most ridiculous thing that vin diesel still got to play Groot in guardians 2 where it's baby Groot yeah. uh you know where he's it's still vin diesel but his voice is pitched up so you can't even tell it's vin diesel anymore <laughs> good for uh, him you know yeah absolutely but it's just such a weird he's such a weird actor a weird presence he really is like one of those last like stallone schwarzenegger kind of types from like the late 80s early 90s uh because even the rock is like his own entirely different thing i feel like you know he doesn't really have like that kind of like monotone like one note (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of thing that those guys have which they tap into really well and i think vin diesel taps into that really well too but it's it's weird to have like this guy just still like being the lead of movies and like in this movie where vin diesel's like 50 i think right like he's you know i don't even really know yeah, old, older now for sure. I'm going to have to double check on that. But like he's 54. Vin Diesel is 54. Wow. <laughs> he, still, he still has two more Fast and Furious movies to make at least. <laughs> yeah. By, by the time Fast and Furious 11 comes out, he's going to be almost 60. It's weird that like Stallone is sort of following his path because he was just King Shark in the Suicide Squad with Stallone. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so he's like kind of going back on the, you know, the master has become the teacher whatever that's you know true what Steve, yeah there we go. yeah but but even like stallone once in a while like he kind of taps into rocky again with uh, yeah. with creed and he's given like a real performance you know he's like doing something really I, I would love to see vin diesel do something like saving private ryan again you know just to see what it would be like these days That'd be you awesome, know yeah because <laughs> he's been doing nothing but fast and furious gardens the galaxy and triple x for the last like 10 years <laughs> and just making absolute bank while doing it so oh yeah absolutely yeah, but there you go. That is a triple X three, the return of Xander Cage. I'm glad I finally got Mike to watch that one. Uh, and hopefully one day we'll be able to watch it together and you'll enjoy it a little bit more as like, yeah. a, you know, get get a few people together and have some beers. And it's it's that kind of movie. Absolutely. Uh, and it is great. Uh, all right. So that is triple X three, the return of Xander Cage. And now it's time to move on into the next movie, the movie that Mike made me watch, which is Behind Enemy Lines. Unless we're parked in San Diego Bay, you're at war every time you step on this boat. You understand that? We pretend we're in the middle of a fight, but we're not fighting, we're watching. You should be glad you're not in a fight, Lieutenant. You wouldn't last long. In a world where outlaw armies wage a secret war, the Navy's most powerful ship is not free to strike back. You understand how important it is that your pilots don't stray from the green fly zone. And no one felt it more than Lieutenant Chris Burnett. Don't you forget what you're doing. Are you kidding me? I'm eating jello. He's wiping his hands. But on a routine reconnaissance mission. Could be a good opportunity to test our shiny new digital camera. He saw something. No one was supposed to see. Eliminate the problem. Bird. No! What the hell happened? We've got a signal. 
Archangel is down, and I am on the run. Evade and survive. Do whatever it takes. Do you have any idea how much damage this incident may cause to the peace process? All I know, Admiral, is that our man is down behind enemy lines. Now what is the problem? Here's some funky Dixie. I am an American. I am on your side. 20th Century Fox presents. They kill my pilot because we took pictures of the graves and I know where they are. I'm gonna get them. I'm not gonna let that kid die out there. You will lose your command. So be it. Owen Wilson. Gentlemen, I intend to put you in harm's way. Any man who doesn't wish to join this mission, step away right now. All right, that was from the trailer for Behind Enemy Lines, a 2001 movie written by David Velaz and Zach Penn, directed by John Moore and starring Owen Wilson, Gene Hackman, Joaquin D'Almeida, David Keith, Oleg Krupa, and more. And uh, this is a movie about Owen Wilson. He is a fighter pilot who gets stuck behind enemy lines in it's Russia. Right in the title. And uh, has to find his way back. And uh, Gene Hackman's like, you know, the commanding officer who has whose mission it is to get Owen Wilson back, essentially. Uh, Mike, why did you want to make me watch Behind Enemy Lines? Um, so the, the three movies I picked were the, uh, you know, the theme or whatever, the connecting tissue between all of them was stuff I hadn't seen in like 15 years. And I don't remember if it was actually good or not, but it was stuff I remember watching a lot, like sure. often. Behind Enemy Lines is a prime TNT on mute kind of movie uh, that you were watching or USA on mute or whatever at the gym. Uh, it's one of those movies for me. It's yeah. just on all the time stars, whatever. And I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And I think it, I thought it would be really fun to, uh, to go back and see if it actually was good. OK, and you actually rewatched it. Uh, apparently you watched it twice this past weekend. I watched it twice. Yes. So I went back because I did make a point to watch it. The first, you know, I was like, I got to watch it at least once because it's been so long. I want to see. And I <laughs> had had an edible earlier in the day. And I got tricked because it was about two and a half hours later and I wasn't really feeling anything. And I was like, fuck it, I'll have the second one. Rookie mistake. What an absolute <laughs> fool I am. Um, I literally just told you a similar story where I did that like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the classic move, right? So and I also had a couple beers, so I was like twisted and I ended up watching Behind Enemy Lines and it was the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> I was hanging on every moment and I was like, holy shit, I'm so glad this is a perfect movie. And then I looked on Letterboxd. I, I rated it four stars. I was like, hell yeah. And I looked on Letterboxd like a day or two later and saw you gave it 2.5. And I was like, I got to I better rewatch this. I need to yeah. see this in a normal mode. Uh, and like, yeah, it's fine. I think it's fine. It's OK. Like, yeah. um, but I'm going to stand by that first rewatch where it is the best movie, most intense, taut thriller of all time. <laughs> That's the uh, official Mike D opinion on Behind Enemy Lines. So, so to recap, the recommended way to watch Behind Enemy Lines <laughs> is to have two edibles. <laughs> and a bunch of beers. And, and a bunch be of beers. <laughs> and then go for it. Uh, yeah. that, that does seem like the ideal way to watch it. I thought it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I had never seen Behind Enemy Lines before. 
and again, like it was your whole thing where it's like movies that you haven't seen in forever that may be bad, but you want me to watch anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that was the thing. And so Behind Enemy Lines ended up being the choice and, you know, ended up being a weirdly serendipitous choice we've talked about because it was written by Zach Penn, who also wrote Incident at Loch Ness and also Free Guy. Watched all three of those movies this past weekend. And Zach Penn is known as this blockbuster writer. He's written a lot of like big Hollywood blockbuster movies or been involved in them at least. Uh, I knew his name mostly because of his association with the Avengers. Um, so okay. he wrote the original draft of the Avengers. And from all accounts, the original draft of the Avengers was terrible. Uh, <laughs> like the, the original draft was like pretty bad. And then Joss Whedon came on and rewrote the entire movie. And so Zach Penn still gets credit on the Avengers because right. he wrote the original draft of the movie. But it, like from what I understand, like Joss Whedon's script barely uses anything that Zach Penn actually did. <laughs> so, you know, his name is on there and that's kind of what I know him for. But he also was involved with X-Men 2 and 3 and Ready Player One and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and Behind Enemy Lines, also the first film from director John Moore, uh, who has directed such masterpieces as uh, the remake of The Omen from 2006. Uh, that Max- could have been in the list of movies I haven't seen in 15 years that might be bad <laughs> or good. I remember really liking it. But that might just be because the Omen as an entity rocks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've only seen the original Omen. I've never seen the remake. Uh, uh, I definitely saw it in theaters because it was the 666. Yeah, that, that June 6th. It's 6. the whole reason the remake exists is because yeah. somebody like figured, realized they had the rights to remake the Omen. <laughs> and they're like, this is the only time we'll be able to do this. This is so good. <laughs> like, Rush, we got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so he directed that. He directed uh, Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg uh, based on <laughs> the video games, which I saw in theaters. And uh thoroughly hated. I thought this movie, that movie was terrible. Uh, and also A Good Day to Die Hard is another uh, John Moore wow. joint, uh, which is the fifth Die Hard movie uh, with Jai Courtney in it. Uh, so there you go. This is his feature directorial debut. So I wasn't really expecting much from it. You know, I, I was looking forward to watching it because you because you spoke so highly of it, sort of. <laughs> I ended up having a decent enough time, I think. It's OK enough. I think it's fun in that like early 2000s action movie kind of way. Uh, and I think it's fun seeing Owen Wilson in a role like this, too. Yeah. I feel like we've we've reached a reappreciation of Owen Wilson point in pop culture, uh, partially because of his role in Loki, uh, mm-hmm. where he is really terrific uh, in that show. And also because he had a role with Vin Craig in an upcoming movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. You know, pop culture is all of us about that. But this was kind of like a, a really interesting year for Owen Wilson uh, as an actor. This is 2001. He had two other movies out this year, one of which was Zoolander. Uh, <laughs> and the other was the Royal Tenenbaums. Wow. Uh, and so a weird year. Also weird that Gene Hackman's also in the Royal Tenenbaum. So Owen Wilson, and Gene Hackman, both in two movies together in 2001, uh, which is a, a weird time. But like this is just af- this is like as Owen Wilson has become like kind of a movie star because he kind of broke out with Wes Anderson in the mid 90s with Bottle Rocket. And then I think he, co- he co-wrote Rushmore and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then Owen Wilson became I think he's a really interesting figure in early 2000s, late, late 90s, because he kind of became part of like the uh, the frat pack. Have you ever heard that term, the frat pack? Like, that was the thing? I have, but I can't tell you anyone who's in it. Okay, yeah. Well, so the frat pack was, like, a, a term that was created in, like, the early 2000s to talk about the people who were in, like, bro comedy movies in that era. Got it. Uh, so it was, like, Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Will Ferrell, like, those mm-hmm. guys, right? Uh, and it's kind of riffing on the Rat Pack with Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. In the 80s, there was the Brat Pack with like right. all the high school teens with Molly Ringwald and Emilio Estevez and all them. And then there was the Frat Pack in the early 2000s. And I think that was the last time we did a, a variation on Rat Pack. I don't know why. That's it's 
it's a perfect thing. We should continue it. Uh, <laughs> I, f- I feel like we got to the end of that. <laughs> uh, maybe, perhaps. Maybe, but like, but yeah, the frat pack represented like dudes who were in bro comedies. And, you know, it was like stuff like Owen Wilson was in Zoolander. He was in Wedding Crashers. Right. He yeah. was in Meet the Parents. He was in all these movies with these guys. But at the same time, he was also in Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he was making those. And he was also making a movie like Behind Enemy Lines. Like, it feels like this is when he's like really experimenting with what his star is. And I think out of all the the frat pack guys i think him and ben stiller are the ones who have like really tried the most to venture into other stuff outside of like you know bro comedy kind of things yeah there's one scene in particular in the beginning of the movie before they get like the holiday mission uh when he's kind of gets reprimanded for turning in his letter of resignation or whatever yeah that really feels like this is owen wilson trying to be an action movie guy like he's trying like he's acting (laughs) so hard in this scene against gene hackman um, yeah, who's, you know, who's also doing great because on baseline, he's amazing. You know, he doesn't feel like he's phoning it in at all. But yeah, it's like there's one scene where you can just see Owen Wilson is just like acting his fucking ass <laughs> off, uh, which is so funny. Yes. And uh, Gene Hackman, this is like towards the end of his career. I mean, he yeah. he retired a few years after this. Uh, his final film is Welcome to Mooseport, which I think is just a weird, <laughs> Good for him. a weird tidbit. But uh, Did you yeah, see the, uh, those like pictures of Gene Hackman recently that came out. Somebody like. Uh, was that a book signing or something or, or like met him, met up with him, like press person? Yeah, it was like proof, like proof of life pictures. It was really weird. <laughs> it was strange because right, uh, he's could, been like living in a small town in like Nebraska or something somewhere. Just yeah. like out in the middle of nowhere, uh, living his best life, which is great. Yeah, um, it was like 94 or something like that, which is wild. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember there was a thing where he, there was a, a rumors of him like returning to acting to be the narrator for the Wolf of Wall Street, which would have been wild. Uh, and ultimately, Wolf of Wall Street didn't have a narrator. Instead, Leonardo DiCaprio just kind of talks to the camera. But uh, that was like the rumor for a while. But no, instead, Gene Hackman's final film will probably still end up being Welcome to Mooseport, which is a weird final credit. But he had this and the Royal Tenenbaums in the same year. I feel like Royal Tenenbaums is kind of considered like the last like big Gene Hackman performance kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, up to this point, I mean, he was still cranking out pretty big hits. Enemy of the State was just a few years before this. Of course, Crimson mm-hmm. Tide from 95, which uh, I texted you after I watched this. And uh, I said, Mike, this is the the second Owen Wilson movie you've made me watch uh, after The Haunting. Uh, right. It's also the second Gene Hackman movie you've made me watch after Crimson Tide and kind of the second Ice Cube movie after Trespass. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Ice Cube's not in this movie, but somebody's wearing an Ice Cube shirt and it's like mentioned in dialogue where Owen Wilson's like, hey, Ice Cube uh, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, which is weird that we bring it up here because he's also in Triple X3. It's a lot of serendipity stuff happening. It's kind of weird. <laughs> there really is. Uh, also weird that Gene Hackman's character has the exact same ending in this movie as he does in Crimson Tide. <laughs> yeah. I, you could almost say it's the same guy. Like he gets I, I was thinking fired that. off the submarine at the end of Crimson Tide gets put in charge of the aircraft carrier in this and then retires which is how the military works once you uh, yeah, you get fired is. off a submarine and you get to work on the aircraft carrier mm-hmm. but yeah so i i thought this movie was okay enough i think uh, owen wilson is very good in it uh, i think gene hackman's great as always like he's always great uh and i think there is some genuinely tense stuff uh i will say the uh, the scene where he actually does fall behind enemy lines with him and his partner mm-hmm. is really solid uh you know i think it's somewhat goofy and i think there is like that early 2000s like sort of hyperactive editing thing going it's, on here it's uh, like almost music video shit that's going yes, on which was a thing i really like picked up on when i was watching the saw movies earlier this year yeah. uh, because the first saw does that a lot and then 
every other Saw movie after that had to also do that just to keep in like the same aesthetic as the first Saw movie. And by the time you get to the last one, it's like, we're still doing this shit. (laughs) It's 2010 now, guys. Yeah. I mean, that's, I tweeted that, uh, that, you know, the YouTube clip, that five minute clip of when they actually get shot down and everything. Yeah. Because man, when I was like melting into the couch, that was the coolest shit that's ever <laughs> been put to film <laughs> ever. It's so fucking intense. And they're, you know, particularly at the end when they like finally get hit by the missile, the one missile. And it does the like freeze frame with just like crash noise, white noise stuff. And then it, yes. the, he pulls the ejector seat and it does. I don't know what you'd call that. Where like you follow the electrical charge through the circuitry and everything and all that shit before he ejects. <laughs> And I was just like, what is happening? Because I was so high. <laughs> but very fun. Recommend. Do recommend watching Behind Enemy Lines that way. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, I think the strongest stuff in the movie is kind of in the stretch. Uh, and I think part of that is because Owen Wilson does have somebody to play off of uh, for the first like half hour or so. He has his partner who then is killed uh, once they get behind enemy lines. And I think that's a very intense scene. That's pretty good. And then after that, it's Owen Wilson, like on his own for most of the movie. He does run into like some uh, some local people that are being like uh, terrorized by the the military there. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in like uh, Bosnia where there's like a, a civil war between like Muslims and Serbs and Bosnia, like all the, you know, just the local ethnic groups. Uh, yes. And he finds like rebels uh, that like help him because he's being pursued by the military. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he does run into them eventually, but most of the movie's runtime is just Owen Wilson alone and occasionally talking to Gene Hackman over the radio. Right. Uh, and, you know, Gene Hackman's also got his own thing going on where he's arguing with like the French lieutenant who's like, we got to get him out of there. And the French guy's like, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, like Admiral of NATO or something is who he's like fighting with. Uh, yeah. Which he's got uh, that one scene where he said he says, the uh, is this R? I think it is R, right? I believe it's rated R, yeah. Yeah, but when he says, when Gene Hackman yells, was like, what the fuck is the problem? And you're like, oh, it's Gene Hackman. Like, you, know, you get all flustered. <laughs> uh, it was really cool. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. But I do, but I do think once you lose uh, Owen Wilson's partner, which is, a, which is a very solid scene, and like, you know, I think Owen Wilson like effectively captures the horror of that moment and then starts running away. Uh, but once you get out of there and it's just Owen Wilson on his own, uh, it does slow down a little bit for me. I think, you know, I think having him be able to play off of somebody was helpful in that first like half hour or so. And like, you know, yeah. his partner and him were a lot of fun together, too. I mean, they had like, you know, moments where they, they, oh, we got assigned on the holiday mission and all that stuff. And it's like, it's like the captain doesn't like us or something. And the partner's like, no, it doesn't like you. I got to go, though. Yeah. All that stuff. There's even like when the, when his partner's like injured and he's like about to leave to go get help. Like they have a pretty funny exchange. It was like, yeah, you are a bad pilot. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he apologies like I should I should have dodged that missile. And Owen Wilson's like, yeah, yeah, you should have. It's your whole job. Like, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty solid. Uh, I, I did want to shout out one set piece in the movie, though, which I did think was really cool, which is when Owen Wilson is a uh, military's on his tail. Right They're They're yeah. coming after him and uh, they're like almost within an eye, eye, eyesight of him. Like they're going to see him soon. Gene Hackman and his crew are watching everything on the radar and like seeing yeah. him like kind of just on the screen, but they don't actually see him. They just see like his, you know, thermal signature or whatever. And there's a whole like kind of mass grave that Owen Wilson is uh, like falling into and he hides under a dead body. Uh, and yeah. like that, that's a very good tense sequence in the movie that I wanted to shout out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that scene when you're very high is wild because right? they're watching uh, they're watching on the, the, the satellite. Like you said, they only see like the thermal images, the heat signature. So they don't know what's going on and they see him fall. And like, you don't you don't know what's happened. Like they don't they're only show we're only watching Gene Hackman watch this. Yep. Which the scene goes on a little too long when I watched it the second time where it's just Gene Hackman keeping like, how come he's not moving? 
And you're like, nobody knows. Like, stop asking. It's like when somebody <laughs> asks you, like, how to do something on a computer. They're like, but how do I do it? And you're like, I don't know. And they're like, but how do I do it? And it's like, stop. Uh, and then, but you're seeing the, the military guys get closer and closer. And then they start, like, bayoneting the mud and all this stuff. And you don't know yep. what's going on until they leave. And then Owen Wilson, like, bah, like, emerges from underneath this fucking corpse and crawls through a mass grave. Wild. Very intense when you're high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I did also, uh, when I was watching Behind Enemy Lines, I was thinking to myself, how many movies have I watched in my lifetime? That are just about a guy getting a hard drive. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's so many movies. There, there's so many movies. I think it's because like we talked about F9 last week, which that's also kind of factoring into the plot of that one. I believe yep. that's also a pretty major thing in Triple X3. Yeah, yeah. Actually, al- almost every like Vin Diesel action movie is about getting a hard drive. <laughs> yeah. So the reason they actually shoot them down, right, is because uh, they're on a recon mission. And they veer off course, right? They see something on their radar, they see activity, and they go to take pictures of it. And it turns out it's this mass grave where they're like committed this war atrocity and they shoot them down to destroy the evidence is how they end up back there. So he is the whole plot is him trying to get back to the plane or the seat or something that has the hard drive in it as evidence. So his 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 pilot didn't die for nothing becomes like the mission of the movie. And yeah, there's a couple there's a couple sequence that like when they happened, it was that same thing like you just talked about on with uh, <laughs> on Goldblum pod for without a paddle. Was that on Goldblum pod? Yeah. Or yeah, that, that was today? yeah, that was an hour ago that we recorded that. But yes, <laughs> I'm very tired. I forget when that's that fair. Is. Uh, but we're like, you, like, you know, just before a thing happens, like you have the flashback or you're like, oh, I remember this. There's the sequence where Owen Wilson is like in a town, sort of or like a warehouse or train yard or something. And there's all these mines with tripwires and he's like kind of tiptoeing his way through. And then like the military, like a tank or truck or whatever pulls up and starts chasing him and he's got a sprint and shit starts blowing up. And there's the one shot of like the destroyed AK-47 as it like falls to the ground and like all the springs bounce out of it and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, like you have that kind of like one moment where like the all the memory comes flooding back to you. <laughs> um, so that image is neat, I guess. So I want yeah. to point out, I don't know. It was one of those moments where stuff happened that I was like, oh, shit, I remember what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, the same thing when the sniper scav guy or sniper sla- Slav and his buddy and that guy steps on a mine and he's like, don't move. And I just walks away and just yes. leaves him there like fucking ruthless, um, <laughs> which that guy is absolutely the model for uh, Nico Bellic in GTA four. Have you ever seen their side by side pictures of them? The character oh, model shit. with the finger gloves and the tracksuit jacket. Right. And this guy, they look exactly the same. You're right. Holy. I was yeah. wondering why that guy looked so familiar. <laughs> it's because of that. That makes sense. That's wild. Uh, yeah, so Owen Wilson does retrieve the hard drive. He gets it back to Gene Hackman and the guy gets arrested. They convict him for war crimes and all that stuff. Uh, but Gene Hackman's actions uh, uh, have him uh, relieved of command. That, like they are going to reassign him to some kind of desk duty. And he's like, no, I'm going to retire in glory. And Owen Wilson learns he can be a Navy guy. He was gonna, he was going to quit at the beginning of the movie. And he's like, no, I'm in it for the long haul now. <laughs> Yeah, because I think this ends with like a, uh, you know, whatever his name was, was in remained in the Navy for X number of more years. Yeah, I think the, this an, is like the a, Animal House ending where it shows the uh, <laughs> like yeah, what no, happened think, after. Yeah, I think this is like loosely inspired by a true story, because I remember reading a book like after this movie came out and I was 12 or whatever in 2002 or one. 
Yep. Uh, that guy wrote that the pilot wrote about being shot down in Bosnia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think this is loosely a true story. Uh, you are correct. Uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, in the historical inspiration section, hey. uh, the film bears some resemblance to the experiences of former U.S. Air Force Captain Scott O'Grady, who was shot down over Bosnia on June 2nd, 95, survived for six days before being rescued by the Marines. Uh, and he later became a children's author and motivational speaker. He filed suit against the producers of Behind Enemy Lines. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as well as a documentary called Behind Enemy Lines, the Scott O'Grady story on the Discovery Channel uh, for defamation of character, uh, a- accusing the film's producers of invasion of privacy through the misappropriation of his name, likeness and identity, false representation and false advertising, containing that those involved in both works produced them without his permission and that the commercial value of his name was damaged by them. Spicy. Look at yeah, that. Interesting. Pretty intense. I remember that book being pretty cool. Uh, for I think it's like a children's written by that guy, but like four yes. young adults. Uh, uh, apparently he had a problem with uh, the disobedience that O. Wilson's character displays uh, in the movie and also the profanity in the film. <laughs> Cla- okay. Never mind. This guy sucks. Um, thinking about franchises that have more sequels than they really ever should. The same way Triple X does. If you really think about it. Uh, in 2002, you're like, there's never going to be more of these. There's like four behind enemy lines movies. There are. Yeah, I I believe they were all direct to video, though. Yeah, yeah, three direct video sequels. None of them feature uh, anybody who's in the first (laughs) behind enemy lines. Uh, But there's behind enemy lines Two, axis of evil behind enemy lines, Columbia and seal team eight behind enemy lines, uh, which that one was in 2014 and stars Tom Sizemore. Whoa. So, you know, it's a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't even finish that sentence. Uh, No, couldn't even make it. Uh, but there you go. That's Behind Enemy Lines uh, from 2001. Any other thoughts about this movie, Mike, before we start uh, wrapping this podcast up? Uh, I think this movie uh, gets unjust maligned. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, no. best experience with two edibles and a bunch of beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Like this movie fucking rocked uh, on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it was when I watched it the first time. And But I, I stand by. I think it's probably more nostalgia for me. The same thing like Enemy of the State is another one of those movies that I used to just watch every time it was on. Yeah. Things I think, um, I think Enemy of the State would really hold up. That's the, I, I mean, I haven't seen that in forever either, but that's a, that was a really good movie. <laughs> I'm not saying that's on the list in the mix for another Mike Makes Mike Watch to, uh, even though you've seen it already, but it's been long enough, I'm going to say you haven't. Okay. Uh, to continue our Tony Scott making you watch more of his movies, there's a couple other ones I know you haven't seen that I've got in there. Okay. Another, we'll add another Gene Hackman to the It'd list. It'd be another Hackman, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. <laughs> All right, so that is a triple X3 and Behind Enemy Lines, and that's going to be it. For this week's Mike Makes Mike Watch. I've got a few in the mix, too, that uh, I think you're going to enjoy at some point. Whenever we get to another Mike Makes... It's it's been a while since we've done, like, a true Mike Makes Mike Watch. Yeah, we've had a lot of of guests. We've been doing a lot of guests and all that kind of stuff. But all right, Uh, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MDFilmBlog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you can do that on our Ko-fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, plural. So we got two podcasts. Yes, we do. And you can find me online at uh, M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film on letterbox radio, Mike sandwich, Instagram. Uh, thanks for listening to Mike. and go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike's free show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff on the next episode of Mike and Mike. I don't know what we're doing. Uh, it'll, I forget. Do we have one on the we schedule? We do not have anything on the schedule, Mike. We did not think this far ahead. Uh, you want to do th- another Mike Makes Mike Watch? What do you got on your list? Uh, let's see. What do I got on the list? I mean, <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, yeah, let's do a Mike Makes Mike Watch. Who cares? Uh, yeah. Let's do a last minute. Hold on here. Let's see what we got. I got to find my thingy. 
Uh, here we go. Mike makes Mike watch picks. Uh, let's say, how about World's Greatest Dad, Top Secret, Royal Tenenbaums? Whoa, that's tough. Isn't World's, <laughs> isn't World's Greatest Dad? Oh, no, that's I, one of them's on the Goldblum pod. I think we talked about this. World's Greatest Dad is not on the Goldblum pod. That's a, this okay. is a, uh, a Rob it's, Williams movie. Oh, I think I got it confused with that movie when we talked about oh, it. Oh, uh, Man of the it's, Year, I think you're thinking of. Right, when he runs uh, for president. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, so yeah, World's Greatest Dad, Top Secret, Royal Tenenbaums are the movies that I'm going with. Wow, okay, all right. Uh, that means I gotta give you three. Or should I pick mine from yours now? Um, uh, you, you give me your three and you, while you think about the one that you want to choose out of mine. Okay, I'm gonna throw in... <laughs> I'm gonna bring Evolution back. Even though, I, <laughs> even though I threw it in there last week, I happened to just see Bloody Disgusting did an article as the 20th anniversary of it, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't remember that it's a um, from Ghostbusters. With Ivan that. Reitman, yeah. It's an yeah. Ivan Reitman movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, anyway. I am preparing for an X-Files watch soon, uh, as, uh, as dictated by my Twitter poll. Uh, yes, correct. So, so Actually, that... no, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't do Evolution two weeks in a row. That's not fair. Okay. Um, so I'll do Man on Fire to Tony okay. Scott's. Tony Scott's. Denzel. 2012. <laughs> a rolling number we talking about, yes yeah we were talking about uh disaster movies before we started recording yeah the president of the louvre is an enemy of humanity <laughs> <laughs> and uh i'll throw ravenous in there also not not sure i'm familiar with ravenous which ravenous it's the uh kind of i'll say cannibal movie uh with guy pierce and robert carlisle uh, where they're like in the in a four, it's like a Donner Party riff, but like a horror comedy. Okay, yeah, I, I remember you telling me about this. Okay, yeah, I've, I've talked about it a few times, uh, or at least once on the show. Okay, so you, so your choices are uh, Man on Fire, Ravenous, and Twenty Twelve. Twenty Twelve. Okay, <laughs> and uh, all right, and then mine were uh, Royal Tenenbaums, Top Secret, and World's Greatest Dad. Which of my three are you going to go with, Mike? Um, I think I'm going to do top secret. That's what I got to cross off the list. Hell yeah. Top secret rules. So funny. Zucker, Abraham <laughs> Zucker. If I have time to rewatch that one, I probably will because that movie rules. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to get, so to get in the mood for the, uh, Val Kilmer documentary. Ah, yes. Yeah. Have a bunch of laughs before you get really sad. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the plan. Yeah. I got to, I've, I've been meaning to watch that documentary too. I haven't gotten around to it yet. All right. So ravenous man on fire 2012. I feel like man on fire should be the movie, right? Yeah. I feel like that's gotta yeah, be the absolutely. one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one i feel like you were stacking the cards in that in that deck or whatever the saying is <laughs> yep that movie's rocks uh all right so yeah man on fire uh man on fire and top secret next week <laughs> an impromptu mike makes mike watch we couldn't get more different between two movies uh, <laughs> than those two no we could not uh all right so that's what we'll be doing next week i was gonna say we should just like yeah fuck it we'll do a discussions episode but yeah let's do another mike makes mike watch Why yeah, we were just talking about it. we haven't done enough of them lately let's yeah, do another one that's true all right man on fire and top secret top secrets <laughs> Well, normally I like write them all out and all that stuff. You know, it's a, this is so, uh, you know, off the cuff. It's last minute here. Uh, yeah. All right. So that's what we'll be doing next week on Mike Makes Mike Watch. In the meantime, the complete works is talking Jeff Goldblum in Incident at Loch Ness. And by talking Jeff Goldblum, I mean, kind of. I mean, he's in it for <laughs> a very short amount of time and then he's not in the movie. But uh, we do talk about it and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we're mostly talking Zach Penn of Weird, uh, weirdly, yeah. <laughs> and Werner Herzog. I guarantee you no one this weekend will be covering the career of Zach Penn more than we are across <laughs> two podcasts. <laughs> uh, that is my guarantee. He, I wonder if he's got a Twitter. We should tweet these at him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back if we said anything like too mean about Zach Penn's mm. career. And good, like good, point. good point. So maybe not. I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Uh, that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah.